electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, CEO Stuart Parnell starts with peanuts and makes millions by cutting corners and exploiting workers. It was run like a plantation. Parnell's peanut butter goes to stores, schools, hospitals, and U.S. troops. But his factories are criminally dirty. We were trying to seal up holes in the wall to keep mice from coming in. We found evidence of roaches, rats, mice, beetles. The filth breeds one of the biggest food poisoning outbreaks in U.S. history. Parnell knows the risk. But raking in $30 million a year, he instructs workers to just ship it. I'm looking at him after seeing those emails, thinking, that's the devil right there. That's the epitome of greed. His picture should be in the dictionary next to the word greed. Due to their willful and knowing actions, they killed nine people. This could end up being one of the largest food recalls in U.S. history. Recall comes after federal officials confirmed salmonella contamination at a Georgia facility. And now the recall is being expanded to include every item made from peanut products at that plant in the past two years. Peanut butter. It's a multi-billion dollar a year industry and one of the most popular items on store shelves. But in January 2009, it's deadly. Peanut products are laced with the salmonella bacteria. It's sickening and even killing people from coast to coast. There's a race against time to trace the source and stop what's turning into a nationwide panic. Food and Drug Administration is advising Americans not to eat any products made with peanut butter or peanut paste until further notice. And that includes cookies and cakes, ice cream, as well as other foods containing peanut butter made at this Georgia plant. Food safety watchdog attorney Bill Marler knows what this kind of catastrophe looks like. I've been involved in every major and many minor foodborne illness outbreaks that have occurred in the United States um, in the last 20 plus years. They're all tragic, but they all appropriately freak people out. By February 2009, Congress is demanding answers from this man. Stuart Parnell, president and CEO of Peanut Corporation of America. One of the things I'm going to do today is ask Mr. Parnell from the Peanut Corporation of America if he'd like to open this and sample some of the products that he didn't think were a problem in sending out for the rest of us to eat. Stuart Parnell has apparently lost his appetite. He declines the offer to taste the products. And with good reason. Evidence is mounting that this was no accident. 
For two years, the operators of the Georgia plant at the center of the investigation may have knowingly sold contaminated products. Stuart Parnell's peanut empire is about to come crashing down. But it was never supposed to end this way. In the rolling hills of central Virginia, peanuts are a major cash crop. It's here that Hugh Parnell, Stewart's father, stakes his claim with the tiny company Parnell's Peanuts. In 1977, Hugh overhauls a roasting facility in Gorman, Texas, and rechristens his namesake company as Peanut Corporation of America. By 1994, revenues soar to more than $20 million. Hugh cashes out and retires, but peanuts are a family tradition. So in 2000, Stuart Parnell buys PCA. Food safety advocate and ethics professor Darren Detweiler says Stuart's ambitions are bigger than his father's. When Stuart Parnell took over the Peanut Corporation of America, he radically expanded the, the, the company, both in terms of size and the amount of profit that it was making. PCA expands to another plant in Blakely, Georgia. And at its height, Stuart Parnell triples revenue in just three years. He's on the move. His brother Michael becomes PCA's number one peanut broker. His brother was now a buyer of product for him. And it wasn't just peanuts, peanut powder or peanut dust that was being used in a lot of different products. And that's great business for him because now he's able to use this, this different version of the product. From ice cream to energy bars to frozen Thai dinners to dog food, PCA lands new clients throughout the food supply chain. But PCA is also hiding dirty little secrets. Shoddy sanitation, low-grade peanuts, and a corporate culture built upon intimidation, low wages, and exploitation of workers. In Texas, the management was run by a handful of white guys with all the workers being Mexican-Americans. And in Georgia, it was run by a handful of white guys, and all the workers were African-American. It was like, you know, a plantation. It was like run like a plantation. And just like those bad old days, the work is profitable for the man on top. Parnell snaps up another company in Plainview, Texas, and a roasting and blanching company in Virginia, close to his custom-built home, on a five-acre estate in Lynchburg. Parnell runs his growing PCA dynasty from a converted garage behind the house. The Parnell brothers especially were making a pretty good living brokering and selling this product around the United States. PCA processes around 2% of America's peanuts, yet they supply product to more than 200 companies, including giants like Kellogg's and General Mills. PCA had a pretty broad business. They had a nice little corner of the market. That 2% was, uh, you know, pretty valuable. Schools, nursing homes, FEMA relief kits, even America's troops overseas rely on PCA. Their products primarily went into then other products, whether peanut butter cookies or crackers. And they were these big tins of peanut butter that primarily went to hospitals and 
old folk homes. I think that tells you a lot about sort of how integrated our food system is that you don't really even know who's making your stuff. So who's making sure the food is safe? Federal food safety agencies are mandated to monitor and inspect factories. But with limited resources, these agencies depend on private companies to police their own operations. Perhaps surprisingly, given the scandal that will later emerge, Stuart Parnell sits on the government's peanut standard board. The fox is guarding the hen house. And the hen house is a filthy mess. To maximize profits and to minimize expenses, this peanut dust and, and powder would sit there in the open, uncovered. And during that time, there was rat infestations. They found holes in the roof and water would gather and bird droppings would get into the water. They would seep into this product. And sometimes he literally had employees sweep off some of the rat poop. This was just business as usual, the idea of put it out there. Fortunately for the consumer, most major food conglomerations, like Parnell's biggest clients, want to make sure their providers are meeting safety standards. They require independent laboratory testing. So PCA hires several labs, including Charles Dibels, to test its peanut samples. Food manufacturers want to make food. They don't necessarily want to do all of that in-house. It has to do with core competencies. Their core competencies are not to run labs. That's what we do. Accurate testing takes anywhere from 28 hours to five days. Dybul looks for several pathogens, including the Salmonella bacterium, which can cause vomiting, diarrhea, dehydration, and in some cases, death. At each stage of the process, you're whittling that down to your target. And then you finally get your target organism by what we call a confirmation test. It's the last step in the process where we can say yay or nay, that this is salmonella or this is not salmonella. And if the results come back positive... One positive takes precedence over however many negatives you may have tested in that lot. You don't release it into commerce. Not only that, though, if the product itself is contaminated, all the equipment that that product touched is now contaminated. By the mid-2000s, Stuart Parnell is making big money in peanuts. But Parnell is also turning a blind eye to glaring sanitation problems at his factories. And he runs roughshod over food safety standards. Some of the lots that they were shipping out didn't even get tested. It was economics to him, and he didn't care about the consumer. Parnell ships products out the door before getting test results at least six times between 2004 and 2006. Even more troubling, some of the tests that are being performed come back positive for salmonella. And salmonella is bad for business. Stuart's brother is getting all these deals put together and they need to feed the system. And, you know, they're getting contracts with Kellogg. They're getting contracts with a variety of other middlemen. They're saying, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me the peanut butter. Give me the peanut chips. And they couldn't keep up with the orders because they kept getting positive salmonella tests. If he pulls the product, Parnell risks plunging into a financial abyss of debt 
So he plays a dangerous game of Russian roulette. Here's how it works. In any given vat of peanuts, salmonella may exist only in isolated pockets. Parnell exploits this fact. They came up with this very intricate scheme where they would take more tests on a lot than they would normally do it, and then they would send it out to multiple different labs. And some of the labs would come back negative. Some of them would come back positive. A positive result would force any ethical owner to dump the entire lot in the local landfill. What they would do is they would get rid of those test results and only use the certificate analysis that said negative. This cherry-picking of data works for a while, but then Parnell and his quality assurance team abandon any pretense of good science. They simply rewrite the bad test results. Eventually, they just started forging the certificates analysis to say they were all negative. And you wonder just what the hell they were thinking about. They don't bother telling customers that test results come back positive for salmonella. And when customers like Bloomfield Bakers learn from their own lab tests that the PCA peanuts they're using are tainted, well, Stewart's just as shocked as they are. So when somebody was saying, hey, it tested positive, it was like, oh, that's, why, do, why would that do that? On October 5th, 2006, Stewart writes to Bloomfield Bakers' director of purchasing... I am dumbfounded. In over 26 years of business, he says he's not found any instances, even traces, of a salmonella problem. Year after year, emails revealed the real Stuart Parnell. He complains that lab tests are breaking me. When employees ask for critical test equipment, Stuart says only if we will not get screwed. This is costing us huge dollars. Lie about the sales if it saves us money. The lies ensure a cushy existence. He has a horse country estate. And the avid outdoorsman hits the waves in his powerboat or heads skyward. Parnell is a licensed pilot and owns a two-seater Mooney M20. He enjoys weekends at Oakwood Country Club and an odd touch of luxury in his otherwise dank Texas plant, a custom jacuzzi tub to soothe away any frayed nerves. Life is good for PCA's man in the big chair. Revenues are almost $30 million. But one place the money isn't going, his factories. The man owned an airplane, so obviously wasn't starving to death. We wouldn't put any money into this company, and we're always complaining about money. PCA hires Kenneth Kendrick in July 2006 as an assistant plant manager in Plainview, Texas. With a background in lab testing for the meat industry, he should be an instant asset. But it seemed like I'd stepped back in time 50 years. Something was always being welded and patched back together, and you could just tell by looking at it, it was older equipment. Their idea of uh, lab and quality control on that was making sure the peanuts were the right color. It's even worse than he thinks. Stuart Parnell hasn't registered his Plainview plant with the Food and Drug Administration. The agency has no idea it even exists. 
Kendrick's new job is off the grid. He's working at a ghost factory. Where were these problems? How were they being hidden? Well, it's hard to find those problems if you don't even know that the facility exists, ironically, in Plainview, Texas. Within weeks of taking the job, Kendrick is appalled by what he finds. We were trying to seal up holes in the wall to keep mice from coming in. I expected there would be like this routine lab testing and these things in place that you know, were just standard, and they just simply weren't there. The safety of the food was never a concern. I got alarmed at the amount of positives they were getting. We actually got on the phone with the quality manager at the time and said, hey, I'm available. If you need help, you know, I'm available. And his answer was basically, I actually like the positives because then maybe we can force the owner to take action. And I remember leaving that phone call thinking, God, this company's cheap. One of my favorite quotes from our emails is, we have a lady in Texas who's good with the whiteout, so apparently other people were just taking the next closest sample somebody had done and using that lab report and sending it with the peanuts. And when Kendrick offers to actually fix the problems rather than just cover them up, this is the response he gets from Parnell. So I called him and say, I used to work in a lab. I hear that you have this problem. He goes, I have Hartford insurance. Don't worry about it. Now nah, get back to work on other things. In November 2006, Kendrick quits. I'd been there four months. I went, something bad is going to happen here. You know, I knew something was going to go bad at some point, and I just didn't want to be part of it. Peanut Corporation of America is knowingly shipping salmonella-laced products, and they have been for years. CEO Stuart Parnell's emails spell out his callous disregard for other people's health. He writes, no test results? Just ship it. I'll hold my breath again. Turn them loose. They were operating outside industry norms, and they willfully release product that was contaminated. And they did it again and again and again. Former employee Kenneth Kendrick, disturbed by what he's seen, goes into whistleblower mode and sends anonymous emails to health departments and food companies warning them about PCA. Unfortunately, his cries fall on deaf ears. I had sent anonymous emails to the Texas Department of Health. Now, they denied getting any from a Mr. Kendrick. Well, I didn't send them under Mr. Kendrick. I couldn't get the attention of anyone. This, you know, your average Joe off the street. And I never wanted to go in the press. I'm not good at this. I don't like this. There was just no regulation. No one cared. Despite his frustration, or maybe because of it, Kendrick has an uneasy feeling about PCA. I somehow had a feeling I was like, I'm going to hear about this again someday. Someday arrives in September 2008. In mild cases, salmonella poisoning causes painful abdominal cramps, fever, vomiting, and diarrhea. But if it enters the bloodstream, salmonella can be deadly, especially for the very young and old. The strain that we isolated from PCA was salmonella typhimerium. This is an organism that will kill. The people that it has the most adverse effects on are what we call immunocompromised, um, the elderly, 
infants, small children, pregnant women. By November 2008, those symptoms are popping up in clusters. At first, it's three states, then 12, 14, 28, 46. U.S. Senator Amy Klobuchar serves Minnesota, a state affected by the outbreak. The CDC and the FDA, everyone works together on these kinds of things. And sometimes the state health departments discover something first and is telling them. Half the people who fell sick, fell sick before there was even any kind of consumer awareness or notice. That December in Purim, Minnesota, Jeff Almer's mother, Shirley, is a living miracle. In two years' time, she's beaten lung cancer, then brain cancer. But she's still weak, and minor dehydration lands her in a rehab center to regain strength. Doctors say not to worry, she'll be home by Christmas. She seemed to be having a better appetite and eating, and, you know, she liked particularly like chicken and peanut butter toast. It was a good thing that she ate those things. But on December 21st, instead of planning a cancer-free Christmas with their mom, Shirley's children get shocking news. The doctors recommended that all the family get up to the hospital to see her because they didn't expect her to last that day. Shirley Almer dies late that evening. Doctors think pneumonia's the culprit, but the medical examiner has a different conclusion. It came out in her autopsy, or the death certificate, that she had sepsis. And sepsis is blood poisoning, basically. And we thought that was odd. Weeks later, Jeff happens upon something else. I was reading an Associated Press report that casually mentioned a 72-year-old northern Minnesota woman died from salmonella poisoning. My mom's 72. She's up in northern Minnesota, and she had blood poisoning. A call to the Minnesota Health Department leaves Jeff's family stunned. They said, I'm sorry you have to hear it this way, but that's your mother they're reporting on. Cancer couldn't claim her, but peanut butter did. In Portland, Oregon, on January 3rd, 2009, three-year-old Jacob Hurley's parents think he might have the flu. He's listless, throwing up, feverish, and miserable. When one of your children is sick, you're scared for them, and you feel a little bit helpless. There's um, blood in his diarrhea. So we go to the pediatrician, but the whole time, all it is is just treat it like the flu, if there's anything that he likes and can keep down, go ahead and feed it to him. In Jacob's case, that ultimate comfort food isn't ice cream or popsicles. It's peanut butter crackers. Then we get a phone call from the doctor's office saying that he tested positive for salmonella poisoning. So the doctors just said, keep doing what you're doing, and you can feed him whatever he likes. Jacob's parents have no reason to think the crackers are poisoning their little boy, so he continues to eat them. He was sick for a full week, pushing 10 days. The doctor didn't know what the source was. Um, nobody knew what the source was. In January 2009, local health authorities and the Centers for Disease Control used DNA testing to positively identify the culprit, PCA peanuts. The fact that the DNA 
was so unique um, and 100% match between the peanut butter cracker sample, unadulterated that we had from our house, had an exact match to the DNA salmonella in Jake's stool. For the federal government, that was the smoking gun. After two weeks, Jacob Hurley fully recovers. But the experience forever changes his parents' perspective. You start to get an inkling that this is just the tip of the iceberg. And then you realize that how lucky we were. PCA peanuts will claim the lives of nine victims in five states. For U.S. Senators Amy Klobuchar and Al Franken of Minnesota, the outbreak hits especially close to home. Three of the nine people that died because of the contaminated peanut butter were in my state. In the case of uh, Shirley Almer, the grandma, 72-year-old grandma who died, she was surviving cancer and had no warning. We just didn't have in place the mechanisms for tracing back to where this came from. That's what was so tragic about Jeff's mom, which is that, you know, she had some peanut butter from a jar that had been on the shelves for months. When American Greed returns, Stuart Parnell comes face to face with his victims and a congressional firestorm. So the food poisoning of people, is that just a cost of doing business for your company? CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. By the time the CDC identifies Peanut Corporation of America as the source of the salmonella outbreak, its products have already been distributed, sold, and sometimes eaten. Everything is on such a lag, such a delay. So you just never knew where it was going to end at that point. Retailers scramble to pull anything with possible PCA products off their shelves. And with the modern food supply chain so interconnected, the list grows longer every day. When you start seeing the news reports of things that you never even thought of, like dog food that had peanut butter in them, this affected everybody. One-time PCA employee Kenneth Kendrick watches in horror. So far, officials don't even know about PCA's Plainview facility. Texas is still operating full tilt, and there was even a shelter in Virginia still operating full tilt. I'm sending emails, getting generic responses, and, and I'm starting to get kind of very frustrated at this point. Like, hey, nobody's still looking at Texas. What is going on here? Kendrick finally gets the attention of the FDA. He knows all the dirty little secrets and draws maps for the investigators. I need you to take 10 steps, take a left, open this door, and go upstairs. If you go upstairs, you're going to see a false ceiling. You're going to find dead rats. Civil attorney Ron Simon tours the Georgia plant and shares his findings with reporters. We found evidence of roaches, rats, mice, beetles. We even found in one instance broken wire in the peanut paste. Meanwhile, during a 2009 interview with the Virginia TV station, 
Stuart Parnell's sister, Beth Falwell, insists that PCA plants are just fine and says Parnell's critics simply don't have a head for business. They're throwing slanders at him. They're saying he's done these things. If people would stop and think, why would we have some filthy building doing work for Kellogg's? People that have never been in business don't know. They know nothing about what it takes to run a business. Stuart Parnell is about to have the worst month of his life so far. On Monday, February 9, 2009, the FBI raids PCA's Lynchburg, Virginia headquarters, located in Stuart Parnell's garage. They also raid the Blakely, Georgia plant. Two days later, Parnell and PCA take the blame at a congressional hearing on the outbreak. Lives were lost and people were sickened because they took a chance, and I believe knowingly, shipping product that was contaminated. The hearing reveals bombshell after bombshell. Parnell's emails are damning. And I'm looking at him having, after seeing those emails, thinking, that's the devil right there. That's the epitome of greed. His picture should be in the dictionary next to the word greed. Peter Hurley testifies. People have died due to PCA's willful negligence. And while he doesn't speak, just seeing the face of three-year-old survivor Jacob Hurley drives home what's really at stake. Oregon House Representative Greg Walden knows all about Jacob, and he's outraged. One of the things I'm going to do today is ask Mr. Parnell from Peanut Corporation of America, if he'd like to open this and sample some of the products that he didn't think were a problem in sending out for the rest of us to eat. Parnell pleads the fifth five times. Mr. Chairman and members of the committee, on the advice of my counsel, I respectfully, I respectfully decline to answer your question, respectfully decline to answer your question based on the protection afforded me under the United States Constitution. He was going to hide behind the Fifth Amendment, which he had a constitutional right to do. And I knew that. But to me, it was the question of the moment. It was, you, you didn't seem to think it was a problem to cut it loose because you were worried about your, your, your money uh, and let people see how it plays in the marketplace. And it didn't play well. It killed, it sickened, it, it, it robbed people of their futures and their family members, and it was wrong. Four days after the public excoriation, on February 13, 2009, PCA files for bankruptcy. They were obviously facing these illness claims, but also all the recall cost claims. PCA didn't have recall insurance, so there was nothing there. So they just went. The recall hits food suppliers hard. An estimated $200 million in short-term losses. The human toll hits harder. There's not a day that goes by that... I don't think about my mom, and I don't think about the circumstances. My mom died, and she shouldn't have died. Could have been prevented. By April 2009, the outbreak is over. While the CDC's official toll lists 714 people in 46 states sickened, they estimate dozens more victims for every one illness reported. But the true toll could be as high as 20,000. At least nine are dead. I couldn't sleep at night knowing I let more people die 
And I sometimes still cry at night for the nine who did that I wasn't able to stop that back when I worked there and replay in my head a million different ways. Who else could I have tried to contact? Darren Detweiler knows what that loss feels like. In 1993, his 16-month-old son Riley was the last to die from an E. coli outbreak that started with Jack-in-the-Box hamburgers. There were no state or federal charges brought against Jack-in-the-Box at the time, but they admitted that they broke the law. And you got to really start to wonder, what is this prosecutorial landscape when it comes to the food industry? How can Stuart Parnell, who technically was responsible for more deaths than Charles Manson, not be held responsible, not be tried in a federal court, and not serve jail time? CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. PCA's salmonella-tainted products cause the largest food recall in U.S. history. There's a breathtaking financial fallout. The loss estimates grow to a whopping $1 billion. In the aftermath, PCA CEO Stuart Parnell is at the center of a firestorm of civil cases. But he isn't facing criminal charges. Yet. In 2009, they announced there was a criminal investigation. And for years, literally, that's all we knew. Minnesota Senator Al Franken champions food safety reform and advocates for PCA victims like Jeff Ulmer. These guys knew what was going on due to their willful and knowing actions. They, they killed nine people. Jeff deserves a lot of credit for not letting go. He was crucial to the case in working with the prosecutors. Former U.S. Attorney Michael Moore must maintain a balancing act. On one hand, this case is about the victims. You had folks who lost parents. You had people who lost family members they loved. You had folks who had children that were sickened because of the outbreak that we thought about on a daily basis. On the other hand, the prosecution requires cold, hard facts. The judge is not going to let you talk about your mother suffering and dying because of tainted peanut product uh, in a case that deals with whether or not somebody committed fraud by mail or wire. Meanwhile, the PCA outbreak goads Congress into action. On January 4, 2011, President Barack Obama signs the Food Safety Modernization Act into law. It's predicated on best practices that can be scientifically proven um, and that we, we step up the inspections and have better flow and transparency and more information available to the inspectors because all of those things played a role in what went wrong with PCA. It's the most sweeping set of food reforms in seven decades. Hey, 
Hey, you've gotten a lot bigger since yeah. the last time I saw you. How you been? Good. How good, you? good. Good. Good to How see you. You, you hungry? This is awesome. We still have. That's the thing. Remember you that's remember, from the, Jake. That's from the Congressman uh, Greg Walden keeps PCA's crime taped peanut products in his office as a reminder. You know, you think about somebody willing to take that risk when people's lives are literally in the balance. It's truly a, a sick mind that's doing it. Think, oh, and our job is to be that voice for people who feel they have no voice. This was clearly a bipartisan piece of work that we did, and, and we need to. Four years after the PCA salmonella outbreak, prosecutor Michael Moore and his team meticulously combed through three million pieces of evidence. These cases are complex. They take a lot of time. They take a lot of resources. At the same time, the case is of such a magnitude that you want to make sure that it gets the attention it deserves. Moore must tie it all back to one big theme. People have lost their lives. And, you know, children have suffered a great deal through illness. And it just reminds you that the case is not just about Mr. Parnell, but this case was about people. In February 2013, a grand jury issues a 76-count indictment against Stuart Parnell, Michael Parnell, and three of their plant managers. The charges don't include murder. People understand lying, cheating, and stealing. And that's what this case ultimately was about. And we knew we could get justice for the victims in the same way, even though we were calling the case a wire fraud and mail fraud case, conspiracy case, as opposed to moving forward on some type of manslaughter. But there's just no reason to put family members through that. Darren Detweiler writes academic articles about the case and lands an interview with Stuart Parnell. And he literally ends the conversation with, you know, we should get together and, and maybe have a burger and, and, and a beer or something after this all blows over. But it's not going to blow over. In the summer of 2014, Parnell's attorneys claim he had no idea what his employees were up to and that attention deficit disorder causes him to make terrible decisions. The emails told a totally different story. He knew exactly what was going on. And what happened in that plant was happening at his control and his direction. On September 19, 2014, the verdict comes down for Stuart Parnell. Guilty on 71 counts of conspiracy, fraud, and misbranded food. Jeff Almer, the Hurleys, and other victims are all back in Albany, Georgia for the sentencing a year later. I sat there in the courtroom that morning, not knowing what the outcome was going to be. Is it going to be a slap on the hand, three months? Is it going to be life in prison? One by one, PCA victims share impact statements. As they leave the stand, they walk past Stewart's family and according to Detweiler, they face an appalling parting shot from a Parnell family member. You could not miss it. She was flipping them the bird. And this federal marshal basically takes a few steps over, reaches over, and grabs this woman and basically pulls her from her seat and hauls her out towards the back of the, the courtroom. And it was Beth Falwell, sister of Stuart Parnell. Parnell's underlings cooperate without the drama. Three former plant managers plead guilty to obstruction of justice and fraud. They are sentenced to three, five, and six years in prison. Michael Parnell is sentenced to 20 years. 
Stuart Parnell doesn't realize he's about to make history as a defendant in a food poisoning case. His sentence? 28 years. This was a landmark case. You know, you go from three months as the maximum potential jail time to 28 years. When those numbers were read out by the judge that evening, there was a gasp. Stuart Parnell could spend the rest of his life behind bars, but he's still alive. The sentence can't bring Jeff Ormer's mother back. I heard an ad on the radio for Mother's Day, and it came to my mind that I should send a Mother's Day card, and I'm going to send it to the person that put her in the ground. And I simply wrote in there, I didn't know where to send it this year since my mother's no longer alive, so I'm sending it to you, person responsible for where she is today. And then I signed it. I know what you did. You know what you did. I'm not walking away from this. While Parnell appeals his case, advocates say the Food Safety Modernization Act requires more funding to give it the teeth legislators intended. Red tape, mindless regulation, hurting our economy, killing jobs. Well, yeah, there's another side to that. And the other side of that is that it prevents stuff from happening that that actually hurts our economy, that actually hurts the lives. We didn't lose Jake. And that made me realize how lucky we are and how I can talk to members of Congress. I'm happy, I'm healthy, I have a happy and healthy son. From the person that's in prison and the president in the White House, everybody eats. Every food producer should at least do their part of what they know to be right, to give us good, safe food. And Stuart Parnell didn't do any of that. Too. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach.